Welcome to the Cult of Domesticity podcast, a podcast about history, true crime, and whatever life brings us. I'm Courtney, and every week I am joined by another fascinating person. Hey guys, I know you listen to probably as many, if not more, podcasts than I do, and I just want to tell you about these new headphones I'm obsessed with. They're Studio Trenton headphones, and I'm weird about headphones, but these are in-ear headphones that I can wear all day at work. I don't like, they don't like, aren't weird on my ears or anything like that. And I mean, they last all day. So you can ignore everyone around you at work. And if you want to help out the show, um, go to studio.com and use the discount code domesticity and tell them I sent you. I highly recommend Trend, but if you have a different kind you like, Try them out and let me know how you like them because I'm always in the market for headphones. I like, really listen to way too many podcasts. Check out Studio and use the discount code DOMESTICITY. Remember that. 15% off an amazing set of headphones. Go out there and get some, guys. Let's see what we're going to talk about this week. Welcome to the murderific cult of domesticity. Did I say that right? Yeah. Mashup. I guess it's a mashup. Is a mashup, the mashup that's trying really hard not to be. (laughs) And um, talking today to Courtney, who has her own podcast. Tell us about your podcast. So, hello, friends. Uh, It is a history and true crime podcast. So sometimes you get history, sometimes you get true crime. All of it's probably horrible things that you wish you didn't know. So you're welcome. (laughs) Um, So today we're going to be talking about Jessica Lynn Padgett. And this was a pretty recent event. Um, you guys may have heard of it. So we're just going to get right into it. On November 21st, 2014, Jessica Paget was having a normal, typical, boring day. I don't know what that is, but her husband kissed her while she was sleeping and he got a ride to his job. She got her three kids ready for the day, dropped her two oldest off, and took her youngest child with her to her job at daycare. She left her job around lunchtime to do a quick errand and simply vanished, as lots of people do in these true crime stories. A massive (laughs) search was done for Jessica, and when she was finally found five days later, the story of what had been done to her and who committed this crime will leave everyone in total disbelief and shock. This is Jessica Pageant's story. Woo! Woo! Disappearance, reappearance. It's like she's a magician. Not not in a good way. <laughs> um, uh, it's true crime. It's never in a good it's, way. No, it's never. It's never good. So Jessica's life, she was born December 15th, 1980 in Allentown, Pennsylvania. She Woo, was, <laughs> she I'm was, sorry, I've been there a lot. Have you? I have friends who live outside of Philly and they live right by Allentown. Uh-huh. She was daughter to Thomas Kazmar and Danielle Bittner. She had four siblings. Jessica's mother remarried when she was 12 years old to Gregory Graff. Jessica described Gregory as her second father. So her stepdad was like a dad to her, basically. Jessica's mom and stepdad and all of the kids lived in the family home together. Her mother and stepdad ran a fencing business out of their home. Is it sad I thought fencing like Olympic sport fencing? That's, That's what I thought too. Fencing business seems really... Super boring. You just put up fences, take down fences, 
you fence with the fences. <laughs> uh, Jessica went to high school and graduated in 1998. And then she went on to community college and took classes on early childhood education. Jessica was mom to three boys, and she had been with her husband, Michael Paget for eight years, but they had just recently got married in August of 2014. They wanted to make sure they liked each other enough after the three kids. Yeah. Like, why bother getting married at that point? Tax breaks. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Insurance. Uh, medical, he can be in the room if you're dying. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> she was a dedicated and caring mom to her children and other children as well because she worked in a daycare. She loved her job and her family. In 2014, she was 33 years old. So on the day of November 21st, 2014, Jessica's husband got picked up by a friend to go to his job just like normal. She got her kids and herself ready, all that basic stuff. She dropped her kids off at school. She took her youngest with her to work. She arrived at work at 8.30 a.m. driving her white Subaru Outback station wagon. At 12.50, Jessica told her co-workers that she had to run a quick errand. She said she had to help her stepfather with his fax machine and would be back in 30 minutes. A fax machine? I know. Oh, my God. Who has those? I think Uh, some people do, but I don't even know how they work. I don't know how my computer works. (laughs) I think it's like a phone, but you you type the person's number in, and then you put the piece of paper in, and it's like an email, but like through the phone, I'm guessing. I don't know. I'm I'm in that sweet spot where we just got internet when I was growing up, Uh like dial up, but we didn't have to use faxes. Yeah. So... uh, uh, I have no idea. You hit it. You hit it a lot. Beat so the fax. She had to help her stepdad with the fax machines. He was older, so he like still used those things. And she left her kid at the daycare. And then Jessica never went back to work. She just didn't go back. So so, so just, that fax machine, yeah, really took a while. <laughs> she she must have known how to work it. We don't. Someone please explain to us how faxes work. Uh-huh. I'm actually now curious. Right. (laughs) Jessica's co-workers were concerned because she didn't come back from her errand. So her kid was still at school and she would never leave her child. So that's that's really weird. Um, That's normally parenting 101. Yeah. Don't Don't, leave the child. Yeah. Don't leave your kid in the back of a heated car also. I mean, my parents have forgotten where I was (laughs) when they were supposed to pick me up several times. (laughs) That's bad. (laughs) <laughs> once they forgot to take, once they forgot to take me somewhere and they just left me home when I was like in elementary school. <laughs> they went to work and left you. No, we were going back to my school and for like a school party and they just all left me. That's bad. They t- my mom told me I made the worst decision though. I tried to call the school. <laughs> which doesn't look good. <laughs> you made them look bad. No, they didn't pick up. It's fine. <laughs> I ended up calling my great aunt who like called my pit like like came and got me and then took me <laughs> she's like did you forget someone <laughs> my parents were like oh sh-. oh my gosh um jessica's co-workers started calling her cell phone repeatedly and no one answered after two hours her co-workers called her husband michael and i've also saw that his name is pronounced micah so um he didn't know where his wife was 
At this time, everyone was pretty worried, and leaving work was not in Jessica's character. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jessica's husband, Michael, called Jessica's mom at this point, Danielle, and Danielle had been in Florida for a few days. And she said, why don't you call Jessica's stepdad, Gregory? So they're just calling around because no one knows where she is. I'm going to tell you, because he's, her husband, Michael, is also called Micah, mm. I'm now just picturing him as the douche from Paranormal Activity because his name was Micah. Uh-huh. Have you never seen? I know. <laughs> oh. Actually, I have seen the first one, but I only, like, it wasn't scary, so it didn't, like, stick in my head. It's basically the boyfriend who has all the cameras is yeah. Micah. Uh-huh. And so now <laughs> it's just a stereotypical dude with dark hair. And that's now my mental image of him, <laughs> which isn't helpful. It isn't. But that's just where my mind went, is that it's the guy from Paranormal Activity who we never see again because he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just call him Michael. Uh <laughs> nope, it's it's already stuck there. It's okay. Micah. It's uh, Micah. Micah does call Gregory, Jessica's stepdad, and he says, I haven't seen Jessica all day. Um which is So weird. the fact wasn't the problem then. Yeah, he said he didn't see her. So maybe, you know, Jessica was lying about where she went, you know? Um another, another facts, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica's mother, um, Cut her Florida trip short, and she instantly flew home like any mom would do. Her kid was missing. After four hours, Jessica's friends and her husband went to the police and reported her missing. Um, the police really jumped on this case, which is kind of odd, because usually when you do these stories, the police are like, well, maybe she ran away. Maybe she wanted to start another life. And then they don't do anything, but... Yeah, because she's, she's a grown adult, and technically as a grown adult, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And so they're like, well, she can disappear if she wants to. Uh-huh. But everyone else is like, yeah, no, this is weird. This is all, uh, this is really weird. Yeah. So they put out an APB on her. Basically, the officers know that she's missing, and they know what her car is. And the police do the basics. They check if Jessica is in any hospitals or morgues in the area. And then, because the small town police were not equipped for this type of case, they called in the Pennsylvania State Police. That's actually really, really smart. Yeah. You don't even see that. Normally, you see them... Bungle the case? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, even if they do jump on it right away, they're like, we're good enough. We're good enough. Mm. And this one, they're like, we can't do this. Yeah. They Sorry, probably, I just they probably that had like two cops or something. Maybe they had like two officers. <laughs> they probably had about twenty, so you can rotate shifts, you know. Yeah. But no, it's it's completely different than like when you think about the Madeline McCann case because I had to watch that documentary and yeah. I'm still traumatized. Uh-huh. It wasn't good. That's why I'm traumatized. Yeah. But you just see like it's so jurisdictional, and when like people are like willing to say we don't know what we're doing, let's get some people who do this here it's so nice and refreshing yeah it's different to hear the police tried to retrace jessica's steps that day and started trying to find any surveillance footage of her they interviewed her friends mother family stepdad and her husband the police pinged jessica's phone and they got a hit from that and they found her car right off at the dollar general parking lot jessica's white subaru was abandoned in the parking lot was it unlocked It was unlocked and Mm -hmm. there was no Jessica. Her phone, purse, and credit cards, credit cards, and keys were inside the unlocked car. 
So that's, that's never, no, it's not good. It's no bueno. That is like everyone's worst fear. Cause one, you're abducted Two, the raptures happened and we're all still here. <laughs> she gets to go and we're all stuck here. The question is, which is the better side? Cause we don't know where you go for the rapture could be worse. Right. But still it could have happened. Yeah. Or aliens, I guess, is the third option. But I'm going to go with option number one if she was abducted. (laughs) Police tried to get surveillance video from anywhere around the parking lot. They found some footage that showed Jessica's car. uh, It showed her parking her car, which they thought it was her, getting out and walking down an alley. The footage is very blurry, and the police assumed that it was Jessica. So they started a huge search and searched for her for five days. Thousands of people joined in with Jessica's husband and family to find her, and they were handing out flyers with Jessica's photo on them. And there was a total media blitz, and it was all over the news and national news. So everyone was looking for her. I think this is always the nice part is when someone goes missing and it's, like, really weird, or, like, even, like, someone goes missing locally, a lot of people come out to look. And you see the community come together being like, one of our own is gone. Let's go get her. And when it gets picked up nationally, it's nicer because then you get the whole nation looking for you. Right. Uh, Police kept re-interviewing Gregory, who is Jessica's stepfather, because his statements weren't making sense from the very beginning. First, he said he didn't see Jessica and... And everyone at her work was like, well, she said that he that she was going there. So that's a little bit fishy. And then he said that Jessica did not fix his fax machine and that it had been broken for ages. He said that he wasn't home that day and he was getting lunch at a gas station because his wife was gone. And then police looked over video footage at the gas station and they didn't see Greg Graff at all. So he was lying about going out to lunch. So they were like, something's up. Um, police got the surveillance footage of Jessica in the parking lot. Again, they sharpened the images so they could look at it better. They realized the person getting out of Jessica's white Subaru was most likely a man because when he got out of the car, he was like over the top of the car. So they realized he was like six feet tall. So it wasn't her. Yeah. Can I, can I put a guess out? Is it Gregory? It might be. It might be. Um, They also see the person driving get out of the car, then stoop down, which is like so scary when you see the footage. He stoops down and he moves the driving seat into a closer position to the steering wheel. Oh, no. Yeah, which is like horrifying. So he's like trying to make it seem like she was driving. Because first of all, no one remembers where someone else has their seat. Let's not lie. We all try to be that courteous person after you drive someone else's car and scoot it up. In my mom's case, it's easy. You just scoot it all the way up because yeah, she's tiny. Me too. And my, in my dad's <laughs> case, you just scoot it all the way back because he's a giant. But you still never get it right. Yeah. So no matter what, when you come back in, you have to be like, hmm. And like the why, dance of someone else has been in your car. Why would he leave the car? Why would he leave the keys in the car and stuff? I don't know. That's weird. Maybe he hopes someone would steal it. Oh. Because think about it. If you see a car with the keys in it, oh. phone, purse, no one like. It's kind of like one of those, was it Chicago where they left like an unattended uh, semi with uh, like Nikes and all that in there as a sting to get people who would steal from it? What? It's kinda, yeah, it's horrible. It's people horrible. They try to catch it? poor people. Oh, that's, that is bad. <laughs> but it's kind of like that. But he's hoping someone will take the evidence and they'll be like, he murdered or kidnapped her. Uh-huh. 
Um, because he has a car. <laughs> you see? <laughs> they continue to watch the video, and this time they catch video of a man in a truck with a racing stripe underneath leaving the alleyway. So they saw that someone walked into the alleyway, so they just continued watching, and then they saw the truck with this like prominent racing stripe underneath. And they realized that the truck did belong to Gregory Graff, Jessica's stepfather. Surprise. First of all, that's that just shows premeditation if the truck's already there. Yeah. Yeah. You can't you can't say it's not premeditation because how else is your truck there? Mm-hmm. It's an alley, not near your house. Right. Um, police get a search warrant and with Jessica's mother's permission allow police to search her home and property. So I'm sure the police went there and she was like, sure, whatever, search my house. Like, uh, police find a small amount of blood on a tissue in the basement. So not that's not much. They also find the fax machine, which was not broken. <laughs> not broken and showed that it had been used on November 21st at 1.04 p.m. and that the paper that had been fixed had Jessica Pageant's signature on it. So she sent a fax and it she like signed her name or typed her name. So she was there and she was there at 104. So he's a huge liar. His pants are so on fire, it's Mount Doom. <laughs> so police at this point are like, all right, Gregory, it's on. They interrogate him pretty hard and they tell him, all the lies that he has been caught in. Gregory, we should note, has never been arrested for any crimes in his life and not even any misdemeanors. So the police were interrogating him and he like cracked. Like an egg. (laughs) Just like forensic files when they're like, we know you did this. And the guy's like, I know I did it. Like that. I'm so sorry. (laughs) He's like jello. He's so wiggly. Like as soon as they poke him, he's just like, no, I did it. It's cool. I'm sorry. (laughs) Gregory made a statement, a comment about not being able to see his dogs anymore. So they were interrogating him. He's like, I'm not going to be able to see my dogs. So the police knew that he was going to confess. First of all, that is very valid. Don't commit crimes because you won't be able to see your dogs. And dogs are great. Yeah. Cats are better, but. I'm allergic, so. (laughs) Hey, guys. I know you listen to probably as many, if not more podcasts than I do. And I just want to tell you about these new headphones I'm obsessed with. They're Studio Trenton headphones. And I'm weird about headphones, but these are in-ear headphones that I can wear all day at work. I don't like, they don't like, aren't weird on my ears or anything like that. And I mean, they last all day. So you can ignore everyone around you at work. And if you want to help out the show, um... Go to studio.com and use the discount code domesticity and tell them I sent you. I highly recommend Trend, but if you have a different kind you like, try them out and let me know how you like them because I'm always in the market for headphones. I really listen to way too many podcasts. Check out Studio and use the discount code domesticity. Remember that 15% off an amazing set of headphones. Go out there and get some, guys. Gregory told the police that he killed his stepdaughter. At his home, he said that he gave her no warning and he took a handgun out of his closet and shot Jessica in the back of the head. So she was fixing his fucking fax machine and he walked up behind her and he shot her in the back of the head. First of all, rude, because one, 
she is fixing something for you. Yeah. And two, you just don't attack people. <laughs> it is rude. Uh, the Seriously. motive he said was sexual. He said, quote, I had a crazy feeling, something sexual in nature. At this point, my mind was still spinning, basically thinking of sex for whatever reason. During that time, I tried to video and I don't know why. So <clears throat> he confesses to taking out his video recorder and he tapes all the sexual things he did to her body when she was dead. His own stepdaughter, the girl who described him as a second father, and a man that she had known her whole life. So, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just. Yeah. Moment of silence. For real. <laughs> so many thoughts. Because like clearly it was premeditated premeditative to a point yeah like because he, he like had to get rid of the stuff but it doesn't seem like he he just like all of a sudden he just snapped and he was like i just killed her but you're still like what where did this come from yeah like he Sir? must have been thinking about this for a while like you don't just oh. like think about this for 20 minutes no this is this has been lurking yeah that's and so that's scary. That's mm, this explains why all like a lot of women are true crime fans because we're all like you never know who's a freak and you never know who's a kind of kill you freak. Yeah. As I told you I got my new fridge yesterday. Yeah. And single white female alone in my apartment, two guys bringing in a fridge and stuff, and I was just like, only realized afterwards the guy was like, one, he told me I was beautiful, which it was a lie because it was early morning, uh. and two, he had asked me like. He's like, oh, so you're here alone or something. And I was just like, later, I'm like, I was like, oh, man, this is how I die. So naturally, I tell Heather from Nature versus Narcissism because she lives 15 minutes away. I'm like, if I die, it's either this guy from Lowe's or it's the murder van guy who parks outside. Either one. You've got this now. Uh-huh. But if I if I turned up dead and didn't make it to one of the two police stations that are close to my apartment, <laughs> that's what happened. Now because, they know yes, where you live. Yes, I know they know where I live. He's been in my apartment, oh. unlike murder van guy who just parks his murder van right outside my window, <laughs> which is creepy. It's like it, the street is probably less than four feet away from my front, my kitchen window. So if he's parking in the one spot, he's right there. He could see inside my kitchen. But the other guy's been inside my kitchen because the new fridge. And I'm very excited about that. But still, I'm That's now paranoid as hell. <laughs> Live constantly like you're going to get murdered and you won't be murdered. (laughs) Though apparently that did not help Jessica at all. No. And of course she didn't like expect her stepdad to murder her. Like you could be in bed with the devil and you just, you don't even know it. Like your stepdad. I believe believe there's a whole investigation discovery called who the fuck did I marry? So (laughs) clearly that's true. (laughs) Gregory also described the whole experience as a, quote, nightmare and a nightmare for him. It was a nightmare. And also says, I wasn't thinking. I just thought I could get away with something. So weird. And then Greg goes on in his confession to say that he didn't understand his actions. He never fantasized about violence, but he does watch a lot of porn. I have. He's a liar. Real question, what kind of porn is he watching that this is his fantasy? Um, (laughs) Clearly really aggressive porn. And, you know, I'm sorry it was a nightmare for you while you're defiling a corpse. Uh, Yeah. But I'm sure she didn't think it was great either because she's dead. Like, like she was, she trusted you. It was a nightmare. And defile her body. It was a nightmare. Gregory also complained that he should have picked his 46 year old neighbor, Karen. 
Gundrum as a victim instead because he would have gotten away with it. Yeah. So this is more premeditative because you're like, mm. it was kind of a spur of the moment who the victim was, but he had been thinking about this. Also, he wants to get away with it. Steal some candy. Jaywalk. Get away with it. Uh-huh. Don't murder someone and defile their corpse. That's not something you're going to get away with because you <laughs> defile the corpse. Come on. He it's said. Like, it's like you've never watched Dateline. I know. This is like the worst plan ever. He said, I know I'm not really a bad guy. I just lost my mind momentarily and I didn't want to hurt anyone. So I don't I don't even understand this. Like his sexual needs were so important that he didn't give a fuck who you hurt, basically. You know? I, I, That's I it. Didn't want to hurt anyone. You killed someone. Ugh. So you hurt someone. Oh my god. And now you have three kids without a mom. Mm. And I'm pretty sure your wife is gonna divorce your ass. Ugh. Gregory showed police on a map where to find Jessica's body. So on November 26, 2014, police find Jessica on her mother's and stepfather's property at 451 Covered Bridge Road in Allen Township. She was down an embankment behind a shed wrapped in a blanket with debris and leaves on top of her. So he just like pushed her down an embankment and like barely covered her. My question would be, did he cover her face? Because, you know, if you cover the face, it shows like regret. But yes, I believe he did so he probably regretted killing her it was I, he, i'm gonna go with it was a it was an opportunistic crime that he had been fantasizing about and she was just the unlucky person for some reason who was the target of it and but did he love her like didn't he love her it was his you know stepchild mm-hmm. it's i don't get it i think he probably did love her it's just something snapped i don't know it's I mean, how bad do you think the neighbor feels now, though? Because think about it. She was going to be the one who was going to be the target. And now she knows she's not the target. (laughs) Like that guilt? I know. Well, she's lucky. Um, So let's run down this timeline again. 1250, Mm -hmm. Jessica goes to her stepdad's house to help him with this stupid fax machine. And he repeatedly called her that day and said, I really need you to help me. I really need your help. So it was one mile from her work to the house. Greg walks up behind Jessica as he's as she's sitting down near the fax machine, shoots her with a twenty two two times in the back of the head. Luckily for her, she didn't see it coming. A little after one o'clock, Gregory drives Jessica's Subaru to the Dollar General parking lot. He's driving erratically, which police saw in video. And very fast, Greg had arranged to have his truck there in the same area earlier in the day. So he had his truck there. Like, he had a plan. He drives back home in his truck. About 30 seconds after leaving Jessica's Subaru, he goes back to the crime scene, drags Jessica's body to the spare bedroom. This gets worse. And then he acts totally normal for the rest of the afternoon because his employees are coming in and out of the house to get their paychecks on a Friday afternoon while Jessica's dead body is in a bedroom. Okay, now I'm going to take back that this was opportunistic because if he keeps calling her, yeah, he has someone drive his truck over there before she even gets there. Like, sir, <laughs> any any case of self-defense and like insanity uh-huh. goes out the window when you keep calling the victim and then you have a set-up getaway and disposal of the car. Like... It would have been easier if he said, hey, my my 
stepdaughter needs you to drive her car here and drop it off for her husband or something. That would have been a better plan than... It's a bad oh plan. God. It's a bad one. After- how bad are the employees feeling, though, knowing they were in and out of that house? <laughs> yeah. Like, how creeped out would you be? And they'd be like, hey, you were in the murder house. So after everyone is gone for the day, his employees, Greg sets up his video camera on the computer and two video cameras he bought a few days earlier. So again, obviously had this planned. Yeah. It's worse. Yeah. It's worse. Also, webcam, was it 2014? (laughs) Okay. Kind of fair. This computer is from 2014. And you can vouch it's okay audio, like visual quality. It's it's pretty decent. It's not great, but no. <laughs> As one of my favorite comedians recently said, filming yourself having sex is like watching two potatoes run like run into each other. Like it's not attractive. Why would you do it? Who's the, which comedian is that? I think it was Russell Howard talking about the negativity of porn <laughs> <laughs> and how men view sex. Yeah. So speaking of that, Greg covers Jessica's face and head with a plastic bag because the blood was freaking him out. Not sleeping with a dead body, but the the bloody face is creepy. Okay, sir. <laughs> uh, Jessica is clearly deceased in the video. Greg then proceeds to commit several crimes in Jessica's corpse. He has sex with the body for two hours while swearing profanities at her he also used sex toys he had bought a few days earlier on the dead body so this is a very expensive crime because let's get go through this he's buying sex toys yeah and cameras like that's not cheap that's a couple hundred bucks 500 bucks let's just say easily that's not a cheap crime (laughs) sir (laughs) and i bet you he used his credit cards you can prove it Oh my god, he's so stupid. I don't understand. So And this poor this poor woman and her yeah. family have to hear this. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh. So the motive for all of this was that Greg wanted to have sex with a dead body. So instead of just picking a stranger like any normal person would do, Greg had to have a sexual needs met and he killed the closest woman around. The closest woman, his stepchild. So that he could get off. And that's it. Real question. Yeah. His wife was not there. What if his wife was there? It would have been his wife. I think he waited for his wife to go to Florida. So again, planned. Totally planned out. It's so planned. It's like, at first you're like, okay, maybe it was a crime of passion. And then the more you just figure it out, you're like, oh, this was like a long-term plan. Mm. The victim was probably just decided on a couple days before. But the fantasy had been building. Also, just go work at a morgue or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> um, like, don't don't kill someone. When Greg tires of having sex with Jessica's dead body, he covers her with a blanket. He leaves her like trash in a ravine behind a shed um, on his seven-acre property that he shared with Jessica's mother. And I also imagine he had to do some sort of cleanup in the home because he did shoot her two times. And his wife was coming home, so. And you said he shot her in the basement, right? That's where the fax machine was? I don't think it was in the basement. I think it was, like, the home office. So he had to clean up before the employees come in. Because think about it. If you're coming in to pick up your paychecks. Yeah. you got to go in the office. Um, Oh, my God. 
Yeah. Five days after Jessica went missing, Gregory did his confession and he was arrested and held with no bond. He was a fair. Yeah. He was fair. charged with first degree murder and charged with intent to distribute marijuana as they found his small grow operation in his basement during the search. Like they already charged him with murder. Do they really need to do the marijuana charge? Like what? Who gives a, who gives a shit? Is that who was coming to pick up their checks? <laughs> his dealers? Also, I think they're just like, we're going to throw everything at him because this is disgusting. Like, <laughs> those those detectives, just because I know a former detective, they see a lot of shit. Yeah. And still, stuff surprises them. Like, I, the one case I know has surprised the detective in my family. He was like, you know a couple thousand images of kitty porn on someone's computer that then you have to go through. Mm-hmm. That was an excessive amount of kitty porn, I guess. Oh my God. <laughs> exactly. I should mention he was a sex crimes detective. Yeah. That's how he met my cousin. But that's still like, you know, yeah. there's, there's, there's just things that stick in your mind. And I feel like this one, they're probably, first of all, like you said, they brought in state troopers. So the state troopers probably are still like, we're all going to the bar after this, right? We're all drinking <laughs> shots. Because you can't un- unremember this. Ugh. The Paget family released a statement and the state police read it. Um, it basically, you know, talked about how they were devastated. They wanted to thank the Pennsylvania State Police for their tires- tireless efforts, which is true. Um, they thanked the public and the media for spreading her picture around. And they also asked for the media to respect their privacy. I'm sure the mother was, you know, devastated, like beyond belief. She couldn't probably live in her house. I'm uh, sorry. I couldn't live in that house. Knowing yeah. what your husband did to your daughter. Yeah. Um, unfortunately for everyone, the prosecution had to play some of the video that was taken by Graf of him sexually assaulting Jessica during the trial. Several jurors had to be excused because they couldn't handle how graphic the video was. And Paget's family kept their eyes down, held hands, and passed tissues. Some of them had to flee the courtroom. And even Gregory Graf's own lawyer could not look at the video, which is, you know, bad for him. The courtroom was dead silent except for crying. So, yeah, they had to play the video. And the defense, they pretty much had nothing at this point. All they could do was try to convince the jury that something had snapped in Gregory and that it was not planned. But, as we know, it wasn't too hard for the prosecution to prove that this case and this crime was, in fact, planned ahead of time. For so many reasons. Um, The sex toys, the video, the parking of the vehicle, just, like, so much. he confessed also that he wanted to have sex with their body, and he said that he waited until his wife was in Florida to commit the crime and the confession, and he showed the police where Jessica's body was. So it was pretty cut and dry. Um, November 13th, 2015, the jurors went out to decide Greg's fate, and it took them six minutes to come back with their vote. Six minutes. So they, they, they walked to the room. Mm. They all looked at each other and like, they were like, yep. <laughs> we're rallying he's gone like everyone everyone's just like yeah we all saw that video right we all had to see that yeah we're all burning our eyes after this right <laughs> yep yep you yep 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 okay 
Um, guilty on all charges. Can't go back. <laughs> I think they beat, what is it? There was a one from. There's one with less. Less than I, There's minutes. one that's pretty close and it's like a big, I feel like it's Emmett Till, but it might not be where it was very quick turnaround where basically they said they asked for some coffee and that was the only reason they took that long is like they just went through and they were like, it's getting off covers it. And they were like, we've never seen a jury come back this fast. Wow. And you're just like, mm. when defense attorneys and a pro- like and a former prosecutor say that, you're just like, oh, that hurts inside <laughs> everywhere. Gregory was found guilty of first degree murder for the death of his stepdaughter, Jessica Pageant, and guilty of sexually abusing a corpse. He received life in prison with no chance of parole. He was 54 years old and Jessica's family, they were crying and they were, they had like cheers of yes. And of course, Greg showed no emotion at his sentencing because he has no emotions at all. I think at that point, you're just, he's just numb because he did a horrible, horrible thing. Like also for the family, you're happy, but you're also really sad because- That was a member of your family who defiled another member of your family in such an unspeakable way. Like you think about it as bad as we say, like, so probably hundreds of kids get abused every day. And that's horrible on so many levels. But then you think about it, how rare is actual necrophilia Mm. and actual murder for necrophilia? It's insane to think about that. Like, so she just, it's such a rare case, but it's also so horrible that like, I don't know, it's just you look at these special like crimes and you're like, what is messed up in your brain that you want <laughs> or you need to do this? Uh. Because I have heard some crazy shit and that's still some crazy shit. Yeah, it's over the top. Uh, Gregory blamed his lawyer for the guilty verdict. <laughs> Sir, you confessed, confessed and you filmed yourself. This is it's like, like it's like R. Kelly <laughs> blaming the sex tapes yeah. on his lawyer. Like, sir, you film yourself. He was upset that he paid a high end lawyer sixty thousand dollars, and his lawyer didn't call any witnesses for his defense. His lawyer also did not do any motions post trial. And I actually kind of think that his defense lawyer thought that he was a piece of shit because his his own lawyer said, "quote It is what it is." He caused it by doing that, and I can't blame anyone but him. And that's his lawyer saying that, so, yeah. His lawyer was probably trying to do the best defense. Who is he going to find to defend him? His uh-huh. wife? Yeah, he is. His not. wife's not going to go up there. <laughs> like, his employees? I think they're all in therapy now because they were in a building with a dead body that uh, their boss defiled. Like, so- he probably just did the best to I don't know if Pennsylvania is a death penalty state but like just to make sure he didn't get the worst sentence right 18 months after Gregory was found guilty this guy starts to contest the financial terms of the divorce between him and his wife the mother of the girl he murdered so not only did he murder and have sex with her corpse now he's trying to contest financial terms in the divorce, which is like beyond. Greg's claims were rejected and Bittner was able to make financial choices she wanted because her husband was in prison. All she wanted was financial control and, and yeah. <laughs> Jessica Pageant's husband, Michael, said, The trial was as hard as you can believe. 
This is something you try to prepare yourself for, but once it starts happening, all of that is out the window. That's the hardest of all, knowing that you had a future, you had something that was yours, and somebody else took that away from you. And just for the record, Jessica's mother um, was married to Gregory for 17 years. She knew this man for 22 years, and then he committed this crime. Uh, Jessica's mother only spoke to Gregory three more times, and it was over the prison phone before the trial started. After that, she never talked about him again. Never talked to him again. She was done. I mean, I would be too. Yeah. I think they only had to talk about financial stuff, and that was that's all. She probably had nothing else to say to him. She probably told the lawyer, just don't let him fry. That's all we want It's just don't let him fry. <laughs> and... And that's it. Like, I can't even understand a crime like this. Like, he just, he must have been fantasizing about this for years and years. Oh, yeah. But she was married. Se- God, 17 years of your life. Mm. I'm trying to think of, I would be nine. God, <laughs> I'm trying to think of someone years, like, that I haven't known since I was a kid. And it's just like, you have to think, would you trust them with your life? And at that point, you say, yeah, because I've known them for 17 years. And you said 22. So what? For me, I'd be four. That's most of the people like my family, friends, my family. Like, that's insane. And I don't, instead of just pleading guilty, like he could have just pled guilty. He just wanted people to think it wasn't premeditated. So he like made his wife and Jessica's family go through that whole trial just so that maybe he'd get second degree murder. He's literally the most selfish man I've ever researched in these true crime podcasts. Like the if most. He, if he was a historical figure, I would probably call him, put him in my assholes of history section. <laughs> the unofficial series that I have. <laughs> where I just call historical figures assholes, but it's normally not wrong. And I try to put it in the historical context, but he's just an asshole. Yeah. For doing that. Like, I... So that's it. That's the story. Yeah. And you can let us know what you think about it at Cult of Domesticity or Burn from Murderific. And let us know what you think. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Why is my internet still on? <laughs> that's amazing. Check out the Murderific True Crime Podcast, hosted by Bernadette from the state of Maine. Topics will include some seriously true scary stories about serial killers, mass murderers, familicides, the missing, and unsolved cases. Go to www.murderific.com to start listening now or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until then, we will be executing podcasts one crime at a time. Hi there, I'm Allie host of What the Actual Faith, a podcast about faith and spirituality, or the lack thereof, in the 21st century. Today's world is rapidly changing, and people all over the world are re-examining their beliefs and trying to focus on the important stuff. Whether you're an atheist, religious, spiritual, or you're not really sure, this podcast is the place to ask the big questions and learn from one another's journeys. New episodes come out every Wednesday, and you can find the podcast on most major podcatchers. And you can check me out on Twitter and Facebook at WTA Faith Podcast. This is where I leave you. Breathe in peace, friends, and breathe out love until we meet again. Cults of Domesticity, we're available on all podcatchers. Remember to rate, review, subscribe to help spread the word. 
or just force other people to listen to it. Our Facebook and Twitter are at Domestic Podcasts, and our Instagram is at The Cult of Domesticity. We also have podcast merch at Threadless. Uh, as well, if you want to support us financially or show some appreciation, we have a PayPal tip jar and a Patreon, which has some pretty great perks. Any topic suggestions, feel free to email us at domesticpodcasts at gmail.com. Remember to stay domestic and cult-free.